Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Chris Dupre. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. A black belt in Bible? I had a brown belt in Aikido 50 years ago. And I've forgotten everything. And a couple years ago, I tried one of the moves, and uh, uh, we we had to pay for the ambulance. Um, <laughs> but it felt good to try. Um, <clears throat> happy Mother's Day, moms. It's one of those uh, it's one of those days that that we I, I don't want to take away anything of the celebration. But I have dear friends who uh, want to hold a, a, a child and never did. Um, they had a mother's heart. Dear friends who uh, are closest friends back in Rochester, New York, that, that have six daughters, and, and uh, um, their son was miscarried, and um, just what that felt like. Um, and so I, I want to say this. I'm not going to have you stand again, but I want to say this. If you've... If you've conceived and your child's in heaven, you're a mom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if you carry a mother's heart, I mean, you've never carried your own child in your hands, but you mother people here, you're a mom, and God sees you as a mom. <clears throat> so to all of you, happy Mother's Day. Um, and Amy, uh, I may have you. She's not. I may have you come up in a bit. So just be there. <laughs> she had a particular word from the Lord that uh, I, I felt was was applicable, and and I prayed that I can fit it in just right. Um, <clears throat> I do want to say. Uh, we, we have a thing called Sunday Sessions, which wasn't happening today, but it's kind of like a Bible study. You know, you've seen in front of our churches, we used to have Bible studies at 9 o'clock service at 10. And here we have what we call Sunday Sessions, just different people coming in and sharing different nuggets. I just want to say I, I, next week, uh, Lou Halstead, Angela may join him, but Lou, Lou, uh, Lou Halstead's going to be doing one called Prayer the Supernatural Language. I love that. And if you've ever uh, had the, the privilege of having uh, Lou teach you, it really is a privilege. She's a wonderful teacher with a lot of wisdom. And, and beyond that is Richard Gibson, which, which like two weeks after that, which is on the exchange at the cross. What God gave, what we gave, what, what he lost, what we gained, and this, this divine exchange that took place. So I'm, the next three weeks are just going to be wonderful. So I want to encourage you, if you, can, uh, if you can get here, by the 9 o'clock time, it'd be awesome. It's just down in stage 3. Oh, um, <clears throat> well, I, I was praying worship would go long today. Um, it's, and, you know, it's not long. It's just what it was. If I say long, it makes it sound like that's bad. It's not. I was just sitting there so enjoying. I love John and Tiff. And whenever they sing, I, I don't know what it is. Each of them, they have a particular vocal sound that just goes right to my heart, and I loved it. Now I, I was just sitting there, just soaking it in, just enjoying it all. <clears throat> um, and uh, just knowing, and I looked up, oh, it's, it's longer than normal, and, and I'm looking here now. And, and so to conclude my message, um, <laughs> I'd like to invite you, if you have any need, no. <laughs> 
Um, last year, I had the privilege of coming up here on Mother's Day, and I, I, I do this year. And I want to share just three things that I shared last year in the beginning. And it's, it's kind of trivia, but um, if you're a mom, um, you'll, you'll understand the, the depth of this. The oldest mother, besides Sarah, which you have to include the oldest mother, <clears throat> was, uh, I'm not even going to say her name, um, just think of something in tongues, and that's what it sounds like. <laughs> she was a school teacher in India, retired, and she gave birth to her first child at age 65. Can you imagine having your first child at 65? I can't imagine having my fourth child at 65. <clears throat> the longest interval between two children. Okay, now this is not, these aren't twins. The first time I read this, I thought, this is impossible. I said, no, <laughs> these aren't twins. Uh, Elizabeth Battle is the mother who holds the record for the longest interval between birth of two of her children. She gave birth to Belinda on May 19th, 1956. And to Joseph, November 20th, 1997. 41 years, 185 days apart. You're saying, why are you sharing this? Because I like these things. <laughs> I grew up with, well, I always had to have the Guinness Book of World Records. Did you have that growing up? Come on now. Okay. As a little kid, I'm 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I get the new Guinness Book of World Records, and I was, I was into it. I love stuff like that. Here's the highest number of children in modern times. Um, the world record for giving birth is Leotoni Albani from San Antonio, Chile. Chile? Chile. She claims to be the mother. She claimed to be the mother of 64 children. Oh, oh. They weren't all documented. Only 55 were documented. Now you say, how is that possible? <laughs> if you read about her, the number of triplets, quadruplets, and twins, actually triplets and twins over and over and over and over and over again. Wow. She died <clears throat> with her husband's name and a swear word in the same sentence. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, that's not on here. Um, was anybody born on a Tuesday in August? Tuesday is the most, uh, uh, is the day when most birth things happen, and August is the greatest number of births. So you got you to gotta look. Some of you go, I don't know what day of the week I was born. Does anybody not know the day of the week you were born? Oh, okay. Doesn't matter, but. <clears throat> so that's my, uh, that's my Mother's Day trivia. Hope you enjoyed it. There's about 10 more, but I'm not going to go there. Um, and then we go to Proverbs 31. Now, <clears throat> I'm married uh, to my lovely wife, Laura. Uh, we have three daughters. My mother was a, a, a woman. Um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I know, it's amazing. My sister as well. I'm surrounded growing up by women. Uh, and <clears throat> I have heard Proverbs 31, when you say it, that, that women either go, oh, yes, or they go, oh, no. 
Now, people won't really, you're not really admitting that Proverbs 31 could be a little bit of a, of a hurdle for some. Because it says, who can find a capable wife? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her, and he will not lack anything good. Let me read that one last sentence. He will not lack anything good. Oh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> she rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. And it goes on, and it talks about what she does and how industrious she was. <clears throat> and uh, there's a, a gentleman, O.S. Hosk, uh, Hawkins, excuse me. He's a leading Christian uh, author and leader. This is what he says, quote, The ideal woman was described 2,500 years ago in Proverbs 31, and she still intimidates her sisters ever since. This wonder woman gets up before dawn and stays busy until the early hours of the next morning. <laughs> If you read it, that's kind of what it says. <laughs> okay? <clears throat> we have developed a mental image of her. She has the looks of a movie star, the domestic abilities of a master chef, the stamina of a world-class athlete, the intellect of a professor with a PhD, the tenacity of a political operative, the wisdom of a godly missionary, the sensitivity of Mother Teresa, the common sense, business sense of a Fortune 500 executive, the grace of an etiquette expert, and the spirituality of the Virgin Mary. Now, one would think reading that, you'd either get, oh, boo, that's not, or yes, that's how I feel. <clears throat> the thing is that. Uh, two weeks ago, I talked about c being able to compliment without comparing. Do you remember that? It wasn't part of the sermon. I just felt like I was supposed to say that for whatever reason, that we can say something to someone, compliment them, but not compare them to someone, and suddenly it becomes a comparative kind of a thing. Just be able to, to love it. Proverbs 31 becomes, because my, my own mother said this years ago, she met the Lord the same, same year I did, she said, I love Proverbs 31, but I feel so intimidated by it because it's comparative. If you take it as a comparative, you'll always come up short and you will feel, ladies, mothers, you will feel that you're, you're, you're imperfect, uh, you're not doing enough, this whole labor thing and understanding and how the business aspect of this, and I don't know, my husband is, is a doofus and I'm supposed to really love him all day long. How, how is this possible? Um, and, and so we take what is meant to be inspiration, we take it as comparison, and we put ourselves up there, and we always come up short. And this, this is something that, um, that I have, uh, you know, I've I, I met the Lord. Next year will be 50 years, and I've been in ministry for about 45 of them. And I know, it's old. So... <clears throat> I've sat with so many mothers who've, uh, and women who've just sat across and cried and just cried and told me about the, the heartache that they've carried, the heartache for their family, trying to pull everything together. Um, and then when, when I asked them, well, what it, who, who do you look at as uh, the, the kind of person you want to be? They'll talk about their mother. They'll talk about someone else. They'll go to Proverbs 31 sometimes. Usually not. They usually highlight a person. And what it becomes is, is they, have, they have developed a connection of comparison that they'll never win. Do you hear that? Yeah. I love inspiration. But I can't use the inspiring person as someone that I compare my life to my whole life. I'll always come up short. 
always come up. Ladies, I cannot tell you what heroes you are to me. I was right, I can't tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip over that part because I'm not, I'm not going to do that one. Hey, put my mom up there, will you? If you, if, who's ever, is somebody over there to, to do that? There she is. Yeah, it's mom. Is it kind of a, a teenager, late teens on the left? And then when she joined the service in World War II, um, she was an amazing lady. She, uh, she used to fly, she rode horses, she flew planes. She taught men in World War II how to fly planes. Uh, the, a new commander came on the base and said, you can't, we can't have a woman teaching men. So he took her, I know, <laughs> I know. My mother was, was way ahead of her time. So they took her off the line of teaching men how to fly planes, and they put her in as a typewriter, with a typewriter, and said, you're going to type. So she said, okay, I'll learn how to do this, and I'll be the best, and she became head of that whole area, typing. That was my mom. My mom was, was an incredible woman. <clears throat> um, she married, obviously, my dad. Well, then again, it's not that obvious, but <laughs> in today's world, who knows? Um, she, she married my dad. My dad had come back from World War II. Most of you know this story. I'm not going to go into it. But it was an abusive situation. And my mom, <clears throat> without a job, without uh, having gone to college because she came back from the war, got married instantly to this war hero. He was a POW. Uh, she didn't want to marry him, but suddenly he's this new hero back in town and she said yes, and she gets into a loveless marriage and uh, has three children. Thank God they got together one more time to try <laughs> to make their marriage work. After they had two children <laughs> and thought, well, let's try it one more time. And I'm so glad they tried it one more time because I came from one more time. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm, thank you. Um, uh, and so are my children. My children are happy that, about that. Um, after, after eight years of being broken inside from this abusive man, my hero mother, without a job, took us away, found a house in a little town east of Rochester called Marion, New York, and we went to 35 Buffalo Street to the smallest house in the town because that's all she could afford. It was a $9,000 home, which she took out a 30-year mortgage for. I can't imagine what that came to. <laughs> I mean, you, you can barely buy a used car for $9,000 now. Um, and <clears throat> she began to raise three kids on $3,000 a year from what she could. My dad gave 100 bucks a month, and my mother came up with the other $2,000, uh, and, and that's what we grew up with. And we never, ever felt poor because my mother was rich in spirit. And there's something that, that I, we can take away from in our home is, is what we carry is what our kids feel. What we put out is what our kids carry and what they feel. My mother never put out that we didn't have much money. She put out that we were happy, that we love God, we, we weren't saved in the sense, but we loved God in our home and we honored God in our home. 
<clears throat> and so I, I think God had us at, at, at that time as well. And she was a, an incredible woman. Um, but heroes, you know, they come in the strangest packages. Some are gifted, some are strong, some are wise. Yet, with the last 10, 15 years, we had so many hero, superhero movies. They all have a, a weakness. Uh, Superman has his, his kryptonite, and it just goes on down the line. My mother was a hypochondriac, and she always thought she was sick. She convinced the doctors of things, and because of it, she was able, she got different medication. These weren't things that made her high. She just thought she had kidney problems, heart problems, this problems, and she kept convincing people that liked her. Okay, well, let's try this, you know, medication, see if this will work. We'll see if this will work. <clears throat> and then this unbelievably beautiful, strong woman slowly began to deteriorate because of this weakness, and she died at an early age in her 60s that she never should have, but because of all the medication she'd taken, it had eaten away her insides. I flew from, I was in uh, Kansas, no, I was in Kansas City? Yeah, I was in Kansas City. I flew from Kansas City back to Rochester because I was told, Chris, mom's in the hospital and she's not doing well. You need to come. So I hopped on a plane and flew back to Rochester and sat by her bed for a week. And uh, she just told me stories about my life and about her life that I sat there for hours and hours. Um, I, let, me, let me just tell you this. If you haven't taken, I don't care what age you are, if you haven't taken your mom or your grandparents, and if they're alive, uh, and uh, find a time to hear their story. See, see, mothers, one of the things that, I'll get back to my other story. One of the things that bugged my mother was that, that she told me as a teenager, she goes, you know, you don't see me as a person. I said, what? I said, you don't see me as a person. I said, sure I do. I said, no, no. You see me as your mother. Long before you were ever alive, little kid. <laughs> I was a person. I was a person then. I'm still a person. And sometimes when we eat our food and leave our, our dish over in a corner or by the sink, we think we've done something great because we left it by the sink. <laughs> okay? Um, these are when mothers feel not just forgotten, but take for granted. Maybe from this day on, we can stop taking our moms for granted. <clears throat> so I sat by her bed. Now, this is true. At that time, it had been 20 years since my high school. Uh, in my senior year in high school, I grew a mustache. It was 1972, and everyone had facial hair, so even the girls. <clears throat> um, yeah, I know. It was quite a decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my best friend's girlfriend used to braid her armpits. <clears throat> I know. It went one too far, didn't it? Okay. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a mustache, and I'm sitting by my mother in the bed, and she reaches up her hand, and she, could, she was very weak. She reached up her hand, and it was coming up like this. I'm going, oh, no, what's she doing? And she touched my mustache, and she just went like this. I said, yeah? She goes, could I see? I was the third, the baby of the family. Can I see my baby with his face that I remember? I said, you know, your mother is dying on a bed, <laughs> and she wants to see you without the mustache that you've had for 20 years. 
it meant nothing to me, that stupid mustache. I walked into the bathroom, took that yellow plastic <laughs> thing that's supposed to be a razor, okay? It's a, it's a torment device. <laughs> I slathered up my mustache and just picked at it as, pick, you know, as, as well as I could and then finally got it down thinking, oh, man, this, it's, I mean, it was, and then I went back and sat next to her and she, she just lifted her hand and just stroked my face and said, oh, that's my baby. My baby's back. I'm just, I'm just crying. And then I had to go. And I, she goes, Mom, I hate to say this, but I have to go. She says, well, you have a good trip. I looked at her and I said, you have a good trip too, Mom. And we hugged and I walked out the door. I walked down the hall weeping hysterically, people going by me, you know, what's wrong with this man? I'll tell you what's wrong with this man. He loved that woman dearly. I still love that woman. She's alive in his presence. I wish I could say, I wish I could say things I wanted to say to her as a person. I wish I could take back some things I said to her as a brat. We have time to do these things now. We have time to say those things that need to be said. <clears throat> if you grew up with a hero-type mother, you probably had to cast down your thoughts as to your ability to be like her. You see yourself as coming up short, time and time again, and you feel guilty. If you had a mom with real flaws, you said to yourself, I will never be like her. And then you have kids, and you find yourself doing and saying some of the exact same things your mother did and said, and you feel horrible, and then you feel guilty. Amy Knight, come on up here, would you? She had a word in her heart. She came over and, and whispered in my ear, and I had earplugs in, and she's talking away, and I'm not hearing a word she's saying. <laughs> and I, had, I finally said, Amy, stop. She goes, what, what? <laughs> okay, now talk to me. And then she shared this word that was on her heart. So please take a moment. Thank you. That was amazing, seriously. Um, so we were worshiping. I just felt like the Lord was sharing with my with me that some of you ladies are feeling this deep sense of grief. Um, some of you are feeling like you've nurtured and you served and you've ministered and poured out and you've defended, but nobody's defended or nurtured you in your heart. And so you're longing for that. Some of you are pouring out to your kids and, and longing to get a little bit of that back. And I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me that he is your defender and that he loves you. And we talk about mother wounds and I feel like there's some of you that might have mother wounds, but some of you, the wound that you carry is the wound that you've actually put against yourself because of your own mistakes. And so I felt like the Lord was saying this. Do you mind if I lay this down? He said, I am your defender, the lifter of your head, the glory of every daughter of Zion. I kept hearing daughter of Zion over you. He said, we rejoice and we abound with joy, singing new songs in Zion, the anthem of our freedom and being found protected and sheltered within his love, cherished, safe to worship, greeting the beloved. I saw him that we were the first there to worship and to greet him. 
And in Isaiah 2.4, it says, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You know, when we're in constant war and battle within ourselves or in our homes, it limits our fruitfulness. And so the Lord wants to help bring healing to your heart so you don't feel like you're always defending. Some of you feel like you've literally been fighting your entire life. And the Lord just wants to release that off of you. He wants you to be able to come and just be free. I just saw Daughters of Zion being released in this hour. Thank you. Well, I've got the genealogy of Jesus here in Matthew 1, going through it, and I see that years ago, I had underlined four people, um, and they were Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and I realize, I, I can't remember when I underlined those names, when I highlighted those names, but when you look at it, those those four women, the stories that they have, none of them should be on this list in his genealogy. Ladies, if you think you've missed it because you're not a perfect mother, there is no perfect mother, but you're perfect to your children. You're the perfect mother for your children. I, I forgot who, who, who which, which lady, I don't remember which one, that said, this is what I was made for. Remember that in the little video? This is what I was made for. And I, 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 I thought she was about ready to cry. Because when you know what you're made for, it's amazing. Tamar. <laughs> uh, she's the daughter-in-law of uh, one of the sons of, of Jacob. Judah Tamar was married to Jacob's first son, Ur. Great name. E-R. <laughs> Ur. <laughs> that was the sound from mom when he was born. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, he died. He died before Tamar was, had a chance to bear a child. So because of what they did in those days, Tamar was then given to Judah's second son, Onan, uh, in order to carry out the custom, and that is to follow the child. And he died. Judah was now concerned for his third son, <laughs> that he might die. So without a child, <clears throat> after Judah's uh, wife died, Tamar does the unthinkable. She dressed like a prostitute and uh, propositions her father-in-law. He takes her up on the offer, and she bears a son. One word describes her story, which was desperate. Often desperation causes us to make bad choices. In the midst of our bad choices, God comes along, redeems it, and brings Jesus through our bad choices. Yeah. Rahab, this is the second one I highlighted. <clears throat> she's in Joshua 2. We know about Rahab. She's a prostitute. Matter of fact, she's identified as a prostitute. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes in Scripture, you see descriptions. Matthew is a tax collector. Rahab is identified as a prostitute. And Joshua, we, we don't even learn that she has children. We don't know that she has children at all until we read in Matthew, the genealogy, that she had children. Not just that. We learn not only did she have children, she gave birth to Boaz, who had Ruth, 
who would marry Ruth. She gave birth to Boaz. It becomes the genealogy of Jesus. It's unbelievable. You know the story of Ruth. She's amazing. Um, it, a tragedy, a famine leads to death for all the men in her immediate family, her husband, her father-in-law, her brother-in-law. And so she becomes devoted to her mother-in-law and follows her. And, uh, but the one thing about Ruth is that she is not an Israelite. She's from Moab. And the way that you would describe Moab, and I, someone years ago, like back in the 70s, was talking about this, who was from that area of the world. And he said, when people back in those days described Moab, it's like picking up the most unclean thing and carrying it like this. This is Moab. You put it down and you walk away and then you wash your hands. And that's what Moab was described as. She was definitely, it was worse than being on the wrong side of the track. She was on the wrong side of people. <clears throat> they were a line that started in incest and were pagan and ungodly in every way. And yet, in the midst of a past of not knowing a true God, she finds a mother who mothers her into the kingdom. You have no idea how important it is, ladies, to mother others. I don't think we have any ideas, fathers and mothers, we have no idea of the, of the yearning of the heart of the young to be seen by this next generation. We had, when I first got saved, I was 19, and someone said, hey, we're going over um, to Doty's house. It was the, the last name was Doty. I said, who are the Dotys? He said, they are the greatest people in the world. Really, what do they do? And no one could tell me. I don't really know what they do. They just invite us over on Sundays. So what do we do? We just go and eat. Oh, I like that. That's, that's awesome. So what are their names? Bill and Doty. Bill, no, Bill and Dilly. Are you serious? Their names are Bill and Dilly Doty? Yes, their names are Bill and Dilly Doty. I said, I don't know if I can go to their house. I, I went to their house as often as I could go to their house. What did they do? They just sat there and listened. They told stories. They told stories about World War II and about the Korean War. They told stories about, you know, growing up with less. They told stories that were funny stories about their teachers. And, you know, and, and one, one, one Sunday they tried to sell us Amway. And I, I, I said, I don't think anybody here is going to buy Amway. And they said, yeah, we had to give it a shot. And you know, it lasted about five minutes. You know? And then they went out. They were, they were our safe place. Bill and Dilly Doty, they would never know what they meant to me. They passed away a long time ago. And I never got a chance to go back to say what I wanted to say to them because I was living in Kansas City. And all the things I wanted to say to them were what they meant to me. Ah, oh, I wish I had done some things. But there's still time for those in your life. And the last one is Bathsheba. You know her story. <clears throat> and we all put it on David, but it takes two to tangle. Um, and Matthew, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pens the genealogical record of Jesus. And these four women, all four of them, have checkered pasts. And the conclusion is just what Amy had to say. <clears throat> There is hope for me. I don't care what your, your history is. It makes no difference how God wants to use you. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a woman who was a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he goes on and begins to tell her what's going on. This is her response to the whisper of God through the angel. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. That's a hero right there. That's a hero right there. Dictionary definition of a hero. <laughs> it's a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. It says, I heard this quote, the world is dying for heroes. I thought, well, that's an interesting quote. The church wants to live for heroes. We give to live because of heroes. And I want to say that heroes are called mother. The word hero comes from the Greek word, which means the protector of the weak. How is that, Mom? The protector of the weak. That's what you are. <clears throat> My wife, we were, we had our first child, and the, everything seemed fine. She was big, eight pounds, six ounces, something like that. You know, good, healthy little girl, and we started to raise our child, and the, the gal on the, um, again, I, I don't know her name. Talked about her special needs child. Forgive me for not knowing the name. Um, <clears throat> we just thought this was a child, and we were growing up with children around us. And those kids were doing this, and ours wasn't. And those kids were saying this, and ours wasn't. And those kids were walking theirs, and ours wasn't. And, and those kids, you know, it just went on from age one and two and three and four and Finally, somebody came along with a, with a prophetic word to us to go get uh, <clears> or <throat> have a chromosome test. So we did, and it turned out that she had uh, what's called a trisomy disorder, which uh, one of them is Down syndrome. This was not Down's, but it was something similar. It was the, not the, the addition of a chromosome. It was a swapping of aspects of chromosomes. And nobody in the world probably has ever had it, and nobody probably will. So they couldn't tell us what it's going to be like to be a father or a mother to this child. So we had to grow up being a father and a mother to this first child. And <clears throat> Amy, your word is so right. My wife um, berated herself so much, especially those first four years, because she thought she was doing everything wrong. And so she had this thing in her after the first few years of, I, I, I am so imperfect at doing this. I cannot have another child. I'll destroy this another child. I'm so bad. I don't want to. And I, I'm, I'm wanting eight kids. And after one, she's done. Now, we had others, but God brought healing to her heart. But the, the time, and I'm, I don't put this on my wife, but the time wasted because she berated. The enemy berated her heart, made her think less of who she is and what she'd done. I know how Jesus saw mothers. John 19, he looked down from the cross. He said, Mother, that's your son. Talking about John. But then he said to John, that's your mother. What he's saying is, take care of her. Even when I'm dying, one of the last words I'm going to say is, I want my mother taken care of. That's God's heart. I watched him take care of my wife's heart. I watched him bring people along that knew how to pray and knew how to stand and knew how to speak. 
I watched her best friend <clears throat> just come alongside her and help her through this process. God knows what we need. God wants to take care of us. He would say to any of you ladies, take care of her. Take care of her. This is what I was wanting to do today. Number one, I want to honor, as we did, all the moms that are here. For women who have moms in heaven, we honor them. For moms who are praying for their wayward children, we honor you in your prayers. It's not, a, it's not an easy place to be in. We've been in it. Moms who have a child in heaven, moms who want to be moms but aren't yet, those that are called to be mothers in the kingdom. I just want to say this. The church needs mothers desperately. We talk about fathers all the time. And that's not a bad thing. Now what I'm... I needed a, a mom that was a safe place. When I heard that the Greek word was protector, that's what my mother was. She was my protector at eight years old. She took me away from a hor horrible situation. Who did that? My mom. Was it easy? No. Wasn't easy at all. I sat on her bed when she was dying and she told me the process of what she had to go through to make it work for me to have a life growing up that was safe and protected. I had no idea because I was just eight years old. I had no idea what she did. We don't know all the things our mothers have done. But I want to end it this way. I want to give out a call, not just to mothers, but to, to all the ladies in this room to respond to the call of being a mother in the kingdom. I don't care if you're 20 years old. There are 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls that look up to you. What are they seeing when they look up to you? Are they seeing that handmaiden of the Lord? Are they seeing someone that inspires them to say yes to God? If you don't have kids, you can be a mom. My mother was a mother to so many people. They used to come over to our house. My friends used to come to our house to hang with my mother. Hey, Tom, what are you here for? I just want to hang with you and your mom. Is your mom home? Yes, Tom's, my mom is home. And he'd sit down at the kitchen table and they would talk for hours. Why? Because he couldn't talk with his mom, but he could talk to mine. I want to do this. Stand with me if you would. Father, I want to thank you for each mother and each woman here today. They were first daughters. But as they grow, they become those precious people that can mother other people. And so today as a son, a brother, a father, I bless them in your name. That they'd have a more full, a more full revelation of your love for them, your affection for them. Make them strong in that knowledge so that that which berates them, so the enemy's whisper does not have that power again to change the voice of the Father to their heart. Make them bold. Make them fearless. Fearless to live out their lives with strength and grace and joy.
And Lord, I just ask now that you put it on the heart of every woman here. How can I stand as not just the daughter in the kingdom, but am I being called also to be a mother in the kingdom? And I want to say this. If that is how you feel, if you feel that God has, has put something in your heart or maybe you're just sensing it this morning, I need to step out from the comfort place of coming here and sitting and enjoying all that's going on. And yet the call to be a mother is to see past your heart to the heart of others. If you have that kind of heart and want to have that kind of heart, I want to invite you forward for prayer. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 